Hi, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see you all to be here with us across our TV and radio affiliates across Chicagoland. We are so glad to be back here with you. We're live on YouTube as well. We're on WKAN 105.5, the ticket, HCTV, Cities 92.9, Talk FM, WJOB, Jan TV, and our new affiliate, 98.3 The Life up in Round Lake Beach. So great to be with them. Great to have them as a part of our new um, affiliates here. We have seven now in total. And uh, give them a warm welcome. A new audience up in northern Illinois. Great to be a part of things with them. You can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Sports Talk Chicago. Give us a like over there. And uh, we have a huge guest joining us here. Two segments. So much to discuss. Bulls, Bears, Chicago sports. He's also one of the play-by-play guys for the Chicago Bulls. So we have a lot to discuss there, too. Great friend of this program, sports reporter at ABC7, of course. Host of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast and one of the play-by-play voices of Bulls basketball. Please welcome Mark Shinowski to the program. Mark, it's always a pleasure. How are you? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you here. We have so much to discuss. The Bulls have made some... National headlines as of late with the Ring of Honor ceremony. I did want to start with that, get your take. Um, What did you think of the ceremony itself, first off? Well, it was very unfortunate that the three biggest stars of that 95-96 team, Michael, Scotty, and Rodman, couldn't make it uh, to the United Center for the ceremony. And that was a a big detriment right away. And then, of course, the unfortunate booing uh, of Jerry Krause when his uh, picture was displayed on the audio screen at the, or the video screen at the United Center was was so sad. And obviously it was a majority, uh, was a minority of the crowd that was doing the booing, but it really detracted from what was supposed to be a celebration of the first ring of honor. You know, I thought it was a really good concept, very well thought of by Michael Reinsdorf and the Bulls management team to, to honor some of the great names of the past, because it wasn't just the championship era. They also honored some players from the 70s and even before that, some of the founding players of the Bulls franchise. So, you know, something they're planning to do every two years. Uh, it's supposed to be a celebration of basketball as Chicago is one of the great basketball cities in America. And unfortunately, afterwards, the only thing that was talked about, especially on a national level, was the unfortunate booing of Jerry Krause. What did you think about the booing personally when you heard it and saw it play out? Well, you know that throughout the time of the Bulls dynasty era, Jerry Krause was a polarizing figure. I think uh, a lot of Bulls fans recognized him for the great job he did in building two different teams that uh, were able to three-peat, but his personality was abrasive at times and, and turned off some fans and members of the media where you know he didn't always get a favorable uh, treatment in terms of comments on the air and in print. So during that time, as I mentioned, he was very, a very polarizing figure. But when you look back over the, the entirety of what he did during his time as general manager, he was enormously successful. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame for the great work that he did. And you would think that, you know, 20, what is it now, 25 years after the last championship, that people would celebrate what he did instead of choosing to boo. And, you know, the unfortunate thing was, the way the ceremony was done, people didn't know that his widow was in attendance. And the first thing they saw was his image on the video screen. And then the horrifying shot of his wife just reduced to tears, uh, seeing the way her husband, who had been dead for seven years, was treated. It was just just a, such a sad, sad scene in what was supposed to be a celebration of basketball. That's a great way you put it, too. I mean, certainly a celebration. Uh, how we put together two different teams, as you said, that went and won three-peats, uh, different eras 
in terms of uh, the NBA to have his legacy, if you will, be reduced to that is very unfortunate because he was highly successful. And in a ring of honor ceremony, you're celebrating that success. He was the architect of all those teams. And now after all this time, uh, that's the only treatment he gets. That's pretty unfortunate. And I think the thing that really is, is sad is that a lot of the people who are booing probably know nothing of Jerry Krause firsthand. Younger fans may not have even uh, been around or been able to appreciate basketball back in the 90s. And then there were some fans who are more casual fans that all they know of Jerry Krause in that era are what they saw on the Last Dance documentary, which, of course, was a Michael Jordan vehicle designed to, you know, glorify Jordan for what he did. And he deserves, of course, the bulk of the credit for those championships. But it was that the whole championship era was viewed through Michael Jordan's perspective. And, you know, he didn't treat Jerry Krause or Scottie Pippen very well in that documentary. And I think that for some fans who were booing Krause, their only knowledge about Jerry was what they saw on that documentary. What was your knowledge of Jerry Krause? You covered the team in the 90s and you've been around Chicago media for a long time. What was your experience with him? Well, I, I got to know Jerry not extremely well, but I covered that team, as you mentioned, throughout the 90s. And Jerry, is, uh, it's, no, it's no secret that he wanted to keep everything close to the vest. He was not much uh, for sharing any information with the media, especially when it came to potential draft picks or free agent options. He always felt like it was to his advantage to keep everything a secret, even to the point where he would go into gyms to scout college players and later high school players when, when they became eligible for the draft. You know, he didn't want to be seen. He would sit in some far corner of the gym and, and not talk to anyone. And he didn't even want to acknowledge that he may have been in, in a gym on a certain date to see a certain player. You know, that led to him trying to get Scottie Pippen out of central Arkansas, where, you know, the word started to come out that, that Scottie Pippen was a first-round prospect. And as that draft got closer, there were a number of NBA teams that were interested in Pippen. But Jerry thought that he was the first one in on Scottie and wanted to, and wanted to try to keep him from the rest of the NBA universe, which, of course, was impossible. Even, you know, going back to 1987, we didn't have the internet and, and, you know, some of the things that we have now, but still there were a lot of NBA teams that knew about Scottie Pippen, but he did a great job in terms of building that team around the edges. You know, he was able to recruit uh, Tony Kukoc to come over from Europe. Again, a lot of NBA teams knew about Kukoc, but Krause put in a lot of time to make sure that the Bulls were number one on his list. He drafted him with an early second round pick when a lot of teams weren't investing draft capital on European prospects that they didn't know if they'd ever come over and play here in the States. And then when you look at some of the guys that he added over the years, you know, guys like uh, Brian Williams, who was important in that second three-peat, and, and some of the uh, veteran centers he brought in. He added Robert Parrish and John Sally, uh, James Edwards. He brought in Trent Tucker and Bobby Hansen. you know, guys that maybe didn't play big roles, but were important in terms of rounding out the roster helping to create competition in practice and making sure that if there was going to be an injury to the starting lineup, they were going to have, they were going to have some depth behind him. Heck, he was able to get my buddy Stacy King in that 89 draft with the, right. uh, with the sixth overall pick. And the bulls of course had already been a playoff team up till then, but in that 89 draft, he had three first round picks. So you know, he was always looking at ways to improve the middle and the back of the roster and that's one of the things that allowed the Bulls to sustain their greatness for as long as they were able to do. Mark Janowski here with us on Sports Talk Chicago. Mark, do you think, 
Based on public reaction, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm asking you personally, what's bigger for Jerry Krause's legacy, the six championships, or the way he kind of dismantled the team after 1998? Well, I think Jerry Krause gets kind of a bad rap in terms of dismantling the team. I, you know, I think that was a decision that was made in concert with ownership. You know, I think they looked at what the would cost to try to keep that team together. And I think the decision was made at both an ownership and management level that it was going to be cost prohibitive to try to continue on with that group of veteran stars. Remember at the end of the, uh, the Bulls dynasty, Jordan was paid about $35 million a season, which was incredibly high at that point in NBA history. Uh, Pippen was looking for a new contract. You had guys like Steve Kerr and Luke Longley who were up for new deals. And then they would have to pay top of the line salary to try to bring Phil Jackson back as coach. So all those factors contributed to the decision to move on. And I think Krauss went to ownership with an idea that if we tear it down, I can go out and get big time free agents coupled with draft picks and we can be back in a contending status in, in, in a couple of years. As we all know, they had money to, to spend in, in 2000. They went after guys like Tim Duncan and Tracy McGrady, and it didn't work out. They didn't want to come to Chicago, and he ended up with guys that were uh, on the lesser end of the, of the NBA star scale. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just this unilateral decision by Jerry Krause to say, well, I, I, I can just tear it down and, and build, it, build it up immediately. He went to ownership, and I think that they looked at the, what it was going to cost to keep the team together, and I think all those factors – when you merge them all, the decision was made that, that we're going to start over. It did not work, you know, and when we look back on it in, in, with, the, with the benefit of time, it was the wrong decision. But at the time, you know, you, you can understand some of the thinking that went into it, uh, although as, as it turned out, it turned out to be a, a bad decision on, on the part of the Bulls organization. But I do believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, too, Krauss was still around in the early 2000s, so even though it didn't work at that point, people like Ben Gordon and Lou Aldang, Kirk Heinrich, those baby bulls, that, that sort of bulls era, a lot of that was even somewhat architect or somewhat put together by Krauss as well. So even on the back end before his time at Chicago uh, ran out, it ended up kind of working. It just didn't work at that time, and there was so much uh, a public eye on the teardown that we didn't get to appreciate maybe the end result of how things emerged from it. Of course, John, you're so young, you were probably just, uh, you know, in kindergarten or something in the early <laughs> 2000s. But uh, no, actually, John Paxson was the one who built mm. those teams. Krauss left in, I believe, 2002. And the, the thing that was so tragic for, the, for their attempts to rebuild, you know, they had high draft picks very early on. They drafted Elton Brand number one in 99, right. but then they, they traded him for the opportunity to pair the two high school kids, Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. And then they drafted Jay Williams, number two overall out of Duke. I believe that was in 01 or 02. 02, I think it was. So that was going to be the foundation of the next team that they thought could be competitive. Well, then Jay Williams had that horrible motorcycle accident. and His career was over after one year. And then John Paxson, who just took over, had to make a decision on which way to go. Because of the, the accident to Jay Williams, all of a sudden they needed a point guard. And that accident happened right before the draft. So they ended up not trying to move up to get Dwayne Wade and, and took Kirk Heinrich at seven in the, in the 2003 draft. And a lot of people thought that, you know, Pax being a rookie GM made a mistake. Well, because of the motorcycle accident, he needed a point guard. So they weren't going to mortgage a bunch of, of assets to try to move up and get Wade. 
Had Wade slipped to seven, they would have taken him. But because Miami took him at five, they thought, well, we need a point guard anyway. We'll take Kirk Heinrich. And as, as everybody knows, Kirk Heinrich had a very, very good career. It's just that, you know, Bulls fans look back on it and think, oh, man, we could have had Dwayne Wade. And that, and those were circumstances. A lot of that was, was out of their control. People thought Miami was going to take a big man at five. Chris Kamen was the guy. They ended up taking Wade because he had a couple of great workouts. And so, you know, a lot of people thought Pack screwed up. But, there, again, there were a lot of circumstances involved that led to Miami taking Wade at five and the Bulls taking Heinrich at seven. Yeah, that's a great point. And that whole draft class, from what I recall, was quite impressive. I mean, as you mentioned, Chris oh, Kamen yeah. was in there, Kirk Heinrich, Dwayne Wade, uh, Carmelo Anthony, right? There were, there were a lot of good players in that draft class, and I would say that Kirk Heinrich, as you said, certainly had a good career in Chicago, and overall, that was not uh, a bust of a pick, if you will. Yeah, the guy at number one, LeBron James, is pretty right. good, too. <laughs> he happened to be there as well, right? <laughs> yeah, he was, he was okay. And he's still playing, which is amazing. And he's right. playing at an incredibly high level. <laughs> Mark Janowski here with us on Sports Talk Chicago. Mark, let's talk current Bulls. They started off really slow. They've turned it on as of late. What's your take on their season so far? It's really been a, a case of two quarters. We're at the halfway point. First quarter, they really struggled. They struggled to shoot the ball both from two and three-point range. Um, you know, they, they just really couldn't get it together. Their, their big three of uh, Zach, Damar, and Booch were all shooting at career-low numbers, and, you know, nothing was really kind of working. Billy Donovan wanted to tweak their style and wanted to play at a faster pace and shoot more threes, and it just wasn't working. And then Zach went out with the foot injury, which coincided at the same point with the team starting to find some kind of rhythm with their offense, you know, moving at a faster pace, getting better uh, percentages from the three-point range, and they started winning games. And again, fans immediately jumped to the conclusion that they're better without Zach, and that's not necessarily the case. It was just a question of, you know, they started to, you know, their regression to the mean. This was like an ascension to the mean. They started getting back to what their career numbers were like, and they started winning games. Um, they're 14 and nine in their last 23. They've played much better basketball. Now they've got a half a season to go and we'll find out whether or not they can continue that momentum to become a playoff team or if they'll start to slide a little bit and, and fight just to get in the play in the trade deadline is three weeks from tomorrow. And we'll see if they, if they are going to make any major moves or there are, or if this hot streak they've had over the last month and a half will lead the front office to decide, let's just keep the, what we've got and see if we can get into the playoffs this year. What's your inclination on that right now? Do you see them making a major move, or do you think at this point they're going to go with what they have? Well, it's really hard to tell. You know, we talked about Jerry Krause being secretive, and Arturis <laughs> Karnaschovas is very much in that same vein. He does not share much with the media or really uh, anybody, even guys that are, that are really close uh, to the organization. I think that they have explored – the trade market for Zach Levine, we've heard various experts around the NBA like Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams Charania say that there really has not been an aggressive market out there for Zach Levine. We saw today there was a trade for Pascal Siakam, who, along with Zach, were the two guys that were continually mentioned as being available, all-star caliber players. And the Raptors got a really good haul in terms of you know, not maybe not the players they got back, but they got three first-round draft picks for a guy who's going to be a free agent this summer that they were not planning to re-sign. So credit to Masai Ujiri for working that deal. And I also like it, like it from Indiana's perspective because what we're hearing is that Siakam is 
amenable to re-signing with the Pacers and teaming with uh, Tyrese Halliburton long-term. So that could work out to be a, a good trade for both teams. But in terms of the Bulls situation, I, I think the, the, co- the contract for Levine is a little bit onerous for a lot of teams. He's got three more years after this one that the money just keeps ascending to where it's almost $50 million at the end of that contract. And although Levine is a two-time All-Star who is a proven elite scorer in this league, some teams just aren't willing to commit to that many years and that kind of salary for a guy who has not affected winning at a high level. I think they may have more luck trying to move DeRozan before the deadline because his is an expiring contract. He's still a very productive player. And if you don't have to give up a ton to get him, if you're a contending team, he might be able to move you up a couple of spots in the final playoff standings and maybe ultimately to go further in the playoffs than you might have expected. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a trade of either DeRozan or Alex Caruso, but I think the Levine contract is going to be difficult to move. We have Mark Janowski here with us on Sports Talk Chicago. We're going to be right back. Don't go anywhere. More Bulls talk. We got Bears talk, and Mark's been calling play-by-play for the Bulls. I want to talk about that, too. So, so much more to come. Stay with us. Segment two coming up. It's Sports Talk Chicago.